The following production is brought to you by the Talkin' Buds Leaf Show. Talking Buds Leaf Show. I'm Rob. He's Ryan. I mean, we can't say we haven't been here before. Like, we can't say that we're in uncharted territory right now. Like, we know this is pretty similar to how they started the season last year. Um, Leaf Twitter is at war with one another. I have some examples of uh, the two sides that I'm going to read to you at some point during this podcast, but where are you at? Like, I've been wrestling. I just did my thing that I always do where I ask you a question and then don't let you answer. And then you just answer it yourself. Then I just answer it myself. Yes, I'm, I'm famous for that. I've been wrestling with, should I freak out? Should I be upset? Should I be annoyed? So once again, I ask you, where are you at? I just think you have to look at the facts for this one. It's, I just haven't looked that good. Like through four games, they just haven't looked great. But I also get that it's four games. I mean, they could go on a streak over the next week and then this is all in the rearview mirror and we don't even remember it. But here's what I know. The team overall, the top players, excluding a couple, the bottom six, like just overall, other than the penalty kill, I guess, they just haven't looked that good. So that that's what I've seen. And some people are going to go hard on it and be like, this team looks awful. And then there's, there's the other side where it's going to be, it's relax. only four games. Yeah. So relax. And I, I sit somewhere in the middle in that more kind of on the negative side because of the stuff that's gone down over the past couple of years. But they just haven't looked that good. Simple as that. Last week, we had a, a philosophical discussion where... It got really like deep about our thoughts and our feelings. I just want someone to answer this question. I I've, I read everyone's takes. I listen to the radio shows. I listen to podcasts. And I've yet to hear someone give me a good answer for this. Why do they do what they do? Why do you go out against the Montreal Canadiens and the Arizona Coyotes and just decide... You're not interested in, in play. Like, why do they do that? I'm not even like, this isn't an attack. This isn't a criticism. This isn't a screw these entitled young kids type thing. I, I genuinely want to know why. Uh, uh, you just look at a game against the Arizona Coyotes and go, eh, I just, no, we're not going to, we're not going to show up tonight. I don't think there's any deliberate reason why they do this. Like, who has the answer to that question realistically? Like, who who can answer that for you? Not Sheldon Keefe, I can tell you that. Nobody in the media can answer that. Sheldon Keefe won't answer that, especially candidly in the media. There's no way that's happening. Can the general manager describe it? No. It's just, I kind of said it last week. It's just some, these mix of players go through these types of games. And it's pretty obvious that this is just what's what happens the odd game in the regular season and in the playoffs. It's 
it like this it just happens like that's it it's just these mix of dudes create this environment where sometimes they go out and they score six goals and they look like the most dominant puck possession rushing hockey team in the NHL and then they go out the next night and and they they can't skate they're behind the play they they can't want to battle they're they, on the perimeter they're, they're passing the puck out of their ozone like they broke the coyotes out of their zone four times just for overpassing like it's just what are you doing they, they don't when they when things go bad for this hockey team they have a hard time of simplifying the game it's it's like the harder it gets and when they come out and they're flat instead of going back to a basic style of hockey where it's like, hey, this is how we're going to get back in this game. We're just going to forecheck. We're going to win puck battles. We're going to get pucks to the net. They they turn to overpassing. They turn into too many guys trying to make the most beautiful play of all time, trying to score two goals in one. It's just, I don't know. They have a really bad habit of just getting in the spell where they just start doing things the wrong way when things aren't going well for them. And we talked about this um last week they are who they are like I think people are really tired of hearing oh it's a learning lesson they're gonna learn from this this is a good experience this is a like they're learning it's like I don't believe that I think this is just this is this is who this team is that when they fall it's a it's a collection of extremely talented hockey players who have gone through life being extremely talented hockey players. And when they come up against some adversity, what have I said about this team forever? That when you close up the middle of the ice and you push them to the perimeter and you push them to the outside, they don't know how to play hockey anymore. Like they really struggle. If they don't have time to create, it's it's a it's a huge struggle for them. And you're seeing that again four games in and there's a lot of people in this fan base, dude, who are who have just like had enough with the we're not showing up tonight. And to be only four games in and to have two of those four games be nah, we don't have it tonight. It's 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 wearing on people. I don't think they're the only team in the NHL that doesn't show up every night though. I think every team in this league has those nights. It's just, this is the team we watch. This is the market we live in. And plus, you add on all the previously awful experiences. That ex- like makes it worse. It's combustible at that point. It's- and, and you combine that with the fact that losing games to the Arizona Coyotes and the Montreal Canadiens and the Buffalo Sabres and, and those types of teams. Yeah. Especially, yeah, it seems like when they do have these efforts, it's against teams that are supposed to be teams that they can handle and a team that you look at and be like, Hey, if we go out and play our game, this should be two points for us. Well, and they could have, they could have finished at the top of their division last year and maybe not have played the Tampa Bay lightning in the first round, but losing games to the Arizona coyotes is what put them there. Well, I mean, I don't think if you mean they haven't beaten the Arizona Coyotes in 20 okay. years of yeah, regulation. True. So this so goes past pick- this goes back, but it's not just the Coyotes. It's it is the Buffalo Sabres. That's another team where yes. every time they play them, it's it's not good. I just I genuinely want to know why this happens. I don't think there's an answer. It's 
Think about all the sports teams you played on growing up and, and just all the stuff that happened to your teams. It's just nobody has an answer for it. It's just a mix of hockey players create this chemistry that for the Leafs point of view, it's just that's what happens to them sometimes. I'm about to pull out my my big ladle and stir the pot, if you don't mind. Is this a cultural problem? Is Kyle Dubas, as we know, is on the hot seat. So in the last year of his deal, they have chosen not to renew him. Um, this is a core group of players that he has assembled. I have been on the record numerous times over the years of the Talking Buds Leaf show saying, I like Kyle Dubas. I don't think he deserves to be fired. At the end of the day, players play. The, whoever, if they do fire him, I'm petrified who the next person is that they would bring in. But this team is clearly not afraid of the consequences of taking nights off. So much so that Sheldon Keefe went in the media last night and called out his elite, his elite players. That's a huge development to happen for, to, for him to be in the media four games in and to be like, our elite players are not playing like elite players. For the dynamic of that dressing room, that's a huge deal that that's happening four games in. I don't think he's lying, though. I don't think he's lying. They, have, they haven't. They have not. But it's just this whole regime is just... I don't know. I'm kind of getting... I think everybody's kind of getting a little tired of it, you know? Do you, but again, I come back to my question. Do you think it's cultural? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, you think this is an, an entitled culture and these guys don't grasp... I don't want to make Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, which is basically who we're talking about here. I don't want to paint them a picture of them being bad guys. I don't think they're bad guys. I just think this whole run with this team has just gone on too far. And there's been too many bitter endings to hockey games. And it's just, it's, it's almost collapsing on itself. I mean, they, again, they could go out and win the next seven games in a row, and this is in the rearview mirror. But it's, it, to me, it's Sheldon Keefe's been the coach of the Leafs for what? This is his third season? He's technically only, yes, it's his third season, but he's technically only had one, one full, full year. year. And that's why, like, you're reading the, I saw a few takes uh, this morning that was like, Sheldon Keefe needs to be on the hottest of seats. It's like, that's, oh, yeah, it's that's like, baloney. Sheldon Keefe has had one full season as head coach of this team, and they set a record for regular season points, a franchise record. And, and do I think that the, that some Leaf players kind of roll their eyes at Sheldon Keefe? Like, yeah, it kind of seems like it, it's that way. But I just think any problem you have with this hockey team and, and people saying Sheldon Keefe should be on the hottest of seats, it's like, no, I'm sorry. I know he's a good guy and he's tried to do the right thing and he, he set out a plan and there may not be a better replacement for him. But th to me, all every single piece of blame that has to go around for this hockey team goes right to the general manager. Oh. I, I, I just... I'm sorry. It's just, that's what it is. That it, He's created this whole team, this whole culture. This is the Kyle Dubas culture. When Lou Lamorello came in here, not saying I'm bring Lou back or I'm a big Lou stan. It's just when he came in, he created his own culture and you felt that immediately. And then when that left, Kyle came in and it was pretty clear at that point that Shani and the whole organization were running with Kyle Dubas culture. And 
five, six years later, it's just, it hasn't worked. It just hasn't worked. Simple as that. What are you not th- saying he, he did a bad job or he's a bad guy. It's just as simple as saying this has not worked. And this is his coach he's brought in. So to me, they're just, they're just tied at the hip. Like if one goes, the other goes. Like To me, one's not going without the other one. Speaking of Kyle Dubas culture, what do you think of this? It's been heavily speculated on sports radio in this city that Sheldon Keefe wanted Nick Robertson on the opening night lineup, but was told no due to the cap situation. And that's why Dennis Malgin has been the second line center and has one shot through four games. Like I'm, th- I'm ready to end the Dennis Malgin experiment. The guy's not an NHL hockey. Well, why? Why are they? Why? Why can't they put a guy they want on their roster because of the salary cap? Because they're paying. Because of the general manager. Yes, and his decisions over the past couple seasons. Yes, watching Jake Muzzin play second pair minutes with his contract is painful. Yeah, well, he's and, well, and having not- your top players, no matter how good they are, take up so much space that. A guy, uh, your best prospect that you want to put in the lineup to give a chance to flourish, to make your team better. If that's the case, because of the salary cap, you can't do that. To me, that I'm looking at one guy and one guy only. You've created this situation. We'll, like, we'll touch on Muzzin in a minute, but I don't think you're going to be seeing him again for, for quite a while. Um, I wanted to, to give you a pulse on what's going on with Leafs Nation right now. It was, I know that uh, out of the two of us, I'm the one who's heavily on Twitter. You kind of stay off. It's just, it is a cesspool. There's no two ways about it. I just don't know how to filter through yeah. tweets. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot. So I'm going to read a couple tweets. I'm not going to say who tweeted them because as I mentioned earlier, Twitter is already a cesspool of negativity and attacking. So we're not going to name these people by name. They're just two opposing takes. And I thought they would be good conversation topics. The first tweet says, so this is on Keith calling out the elite players. Keith's elite comments grabbed headlines, but this answer is really the talking point for me. Keith goes on about, and what he's talking about is he said, he, he last night I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially said, the Leafs dominated the first period. They had control of the puck for the first period. The Coyotes pushed them to the to the perimeter, and that, quote, lulled us to sleep. So that's what he's referring to here. He says, Keefe's elite, comment, Keefe's elite comments grabbed headlines, but this answer is really the talking point for me. They consistently struggle versus bad teams, and in the playoffs, as teams just pack the house as the Leafs hold the puck around the perimeter instead of paying the price and getting inside the house. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. That guy just nailed it right on the head. Yes. And it kind of alluded to what I was saying earlier. Just when they're on the perimeter and they cannot attack, what do they do? They start trying to make a million passes to set up the perfect shot that isn't there. Instead of putting pucks on net, getting to the net, forechecking hard, trying to win puck battles, and doing everything you can to get to the net. Is that, it- is, that is exactly, exactly... I agree with that 100%. Is it an unwillingness to pay the price? This team has been criticized forever about being soft and the toughness. I've gone on my rant a million times about how if they can't, if they don't have the space to create, they don't know how to play. Rob, Um, I think at this point, it's not unwillingness. It's unable. I think they're unable to pay the price. I don't think it's possible for them to learn 
how to pay the price. Why are they unable? Like, are they, is, is it, is it fear? Who, who's going is to do it? Fear? Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? What player on this team is going to do it? But Who, why are you, you're all, you're all grown ass men. Like, like, why are you, why are you afraid? I, I don't know. Like, could, I could, I can't answer that. Like, are the, is it that, like, what's, I don't, what's I don't want to sit happen? here. Yeah. Again, I, I don't want to sit here and, and, and insinuate that. That I don't like doing this for the record. Like, I don't like going down the road of like your uncle who hates William Nylander. Yeah. Because he's soft. Like, I don't like going down that road. I mean, we always kind of do though. But but it's it's in front of your eyes. I know. Like the Arizona Coyotes are a glorified American hockey league team. And they rolled into Scotiabank arena and were like, we're just going to take away the middle of the ice or the house as this person called it. And the Leafs, they, they, they're like, well, we can't go in the middle. Well, and, someone, we might get hit. And even though they didn't really get that many shots or didn't dominate offensive possession, their goals and all their high danger chances were guys in front of the net attacking the front of the net while three Leafs were below the goal line looking like complete idiots. Like, it's just, it, it's, I, I don't know, man. There's no ants. This, oh. Can I read you a, a response to this tweet? Yeah. I, you may get up and leave the room. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here we go. This person says, at what point do you just accept that the team is built to go toe-to-toe with other elite teams in the league and are prone to dominant possession with sometimes poor shooting habits? in games versus weaker teams. I say, look what's happened in the playoffs the past six years, buddy. (laughs) Like, you know what? You could also kind of make a point because it seems like they do play better teams better. Yes. Which is kind of like the Blue Jays too, for all you base baseball fans out there, but it's just, but at the end of the day, they've, they haven't gotten anything done. Why do they play better teams better? Is it their because this this person seems to be hinting at it's the style of play like they're built to play against a Tampa not to play against a Montreal. You're really in deep thought on this hockey team. I, this is, this I, is I the second episode in a row where you're just trying to get to the absolute I bottom of just questions that almost cannot be answered by fans or media I, because it it boggles the mind. I I cannot wrap my logical brain around like you've had playoff disappointment after playoff disappointment. You had game after game after game last year in particular where you didn't show up. The fan base is pissed. The coach is pissed. Like everybody's pissed. And we're four games in and 50%, two out of those four games, you decided I we just you know what honestly I'd even I say, don't think so I'd even say the Ottawa game they didn't play that great either like I, I they definitely slept through the second period yeah, in particular I didn't that game. think they were that great but in that hockey the game the reason either. why I keep I keep asking you this and the reason why you're getting a kick out of me trying to find yeah, search like for you're answers just, you're answering you're trying to answer a question that can't be answered yeah like, because it's just, I I don't understand I don't understand listen I can wrap my head around getting goalied okay I can wrap my head around. Some nights, it's just not your night. The, you don't get the bounces. The, it, it just doesn't go your way. I can wrap my head around that, okay? I cannot wrap my head around making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again and just 
passing and passing and passing and passing and passing and passing and passing around the perimeter doesn't work. Well, how do you change it? Now you're asking the questions I want to know. But I know how you change it. You got to change the personnel. Exactly. Yeah, you got to change the personnel. 100%. That's it. You got to change the personnel. You got to change the culture. You got to change the personnel. It's the only way. Yeah. How how long? I'm not trying to personally attack anybody here or say anybody's an idiot or whatever. But how long does this have to go on before it's like, okay, like this, this is it. enough they're going down well i don't care if you go hire an 80 year old to run your hockey team it it, this the way it's going right now it's just it's over it's over like unless they go unless they like i honestly believe they're a playoff team and they they're gonna have one more chance to slip into the playoffs and do something but it but like all these questions you're asking about nights they take off and them being soft it's just this is it like it's time it's it's time for a personnel change if, if we're sick of this because there's no answer to it. These guys aren't going to magically wake up and start playing like the way that guy's saying when they play bad teams. It's, it's, this is what they are. So I think, I think we actually have had a breakthrough. Two weeks of asking this question and sitting trying to get to the bottom of this, I think we've both come to the conclusion that this is a cultural problem with this organization. Yeah, 100%. It's just these group of dudes just have bad habits whether they mean to or not are they in the dressing room before the game calculating this performance that they're going to go out and not be engaged no but it's just they it goes out and it happens do they go out with the best intentions i believe they do but they still go out and it and it happens and it's just that's what happens with these group of guys like it's just there's no explaining it. It's just, that's what it is. I've seen enough of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's exhausting. I, it's, this year has been, it's four games and I'm already like, you're tired ex- of it. Tired and I'm exhausted and confused and, and just riding the line between being an optimist and, and being negative. It's just, it, it's very challenging. And I, I'm kind of leaning towards the negativity because it's, I just don't understand where we're going. What are we doing? What's the goal? It's, like, it's just, are well, we going to, are we going to play like that? Are we not going to show up for all these games? And then eventually they're going to go on a run. Like you, you would think it's just, well, it's going to be the same as last year. I think this season, if we look in the crystal ball, it's going to be the same as last year. First and foremost, when you say, where are we going? Kyle Dubas is going down with the ship. He's made that abundantly clear. They're going to hope and pray that this team gets the job done. Come April period. I think this season, we look in the crystal ball, like I said, it's going to be the same as last year. They're going to go on a run. They're going to win a lot of hockey games. They're going to look like the greatest team in the league at certain points. And then they're going to have nights against Buffalo, against the Red Wings, against the New Jersey Devils, where they're just like, nah, and they and they take it off and they look terrible. And everybody's on Twitter losing their minds and everyone's on radio and podcasts losing their minds. And how can they look so disinterested? How can you come out and play like this? And we asked last week, does a, a leopard change its spots through four games thus far? The answer is an emphatic no. That That is the answer to that question. I think another thing when we're talking about this, it's like, who are we talking about? We're talking about... F- like we're, we're not, talking about two guys right now because I don't think we're not we're not talking about here the Jack Aston Reed. No, here the here's here's the systemic issues with this team. I'm gonna lay it out in the line for you right now. The two guys we're mainly talking about are Matthews and Marner, who have been 
marginal through the first four games and are back on the perimeter wanting to make Mitch Marner is back to, I need to pass the puck. Mitch Marner is like, I don't want to score a goal all year. I just want to get as many assists as I possibly can way of playing hockey. Austin Matthews, I don't know what his deal is, but he has been on the perimeter since, since the puck dropped in the first game of this season. I don't know what's going on. He's an elite goal scorer. I predicted he'd have a monster year that's still on the table. That's still going to happen. John Tavares has been surprisingly very good. He looks pretty good. He's been one of their best, most consistent forward shift to shift thus far. And William Nylander, I think, has played pretty well too. And then you look at the depth of the team. What, what is, like, what's a Pierre Engvall? What does he do? He's a big guy who goes out there and skates around. That's what he does. He's He does nothing. And it's like, at the end of the day, you're going to you're gonna live with your stars. You're going to die with your stars. So there's only so much time. You have lamented how much time we've spent on this podcast talking about fourth liners and six defensemen and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Justin Hole. Oh, like the guy is a complete and utter liability every single time he touches the ice. It's brutal. So it's like you've got. If your stars aren't going and aren't cooking, it really exposes how ineffective your third and fourth lines are. That's a great point. Yes. It's, it's Austin Matthews has not had many high danger opportunities. I'm sure some guy who who's a, an analytical hockey fan would have some sort of oh my god they're shove that don't up my even, ass don't even get just, me started on the pokemon collectors I've seen I've seen Austin Matthews god. dominate hockey games and that guy has just he's been off am, if I am I gonna just chirp him and say he's a awful like no like he's gonna figure it out like he's gonna score 40 goals this year no matter what but it's just him and Marner look just like they're still in preseason. Yes, in a way. yeah, they look like, like they, they haven't switched the gear up. And again, I'm not worried about those guys. But what I am saying is the team is constructed in such a way. Uh, no, I agree. That, I know that, that when saying. those guys aren't, those guys aren't rocking and rolling. It, no, it, it, you're it right. Exposes how useless Pierre Engvall is. Dude, this team, we we probably wouldn't be as upset as we are. I won't say the word upset, but we wouldn't be talking so kind of negative in a negative tone if Austin Matthews has looked like Austin Matthews and potted a couple goals this year because it'd probably be a different result in some of these hockey games. Yes. So, it's just... Uh, and also, like, listen, I try and keep an open mind and, like, I don't want to be the... Like I said, I don't want to be the guy who comes on here and is like, all these young entitled kids. But, man, like, there's, like, some of these Pokemon collectors, man, like, you go on... Twitter and it's like they're two and two, but if you look at these metrics, they're actually four and zero. Oh. And it's like, no, they're not. They're two and two. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. I, I don't know what. I just don't understand these people who are so optimistic, especially with numbers. Like, like I get the like, idea. Like what? What? I, it all ends the same. Yeah. Like I just don't understand why an extra stat about this is just changing your mind so much. It's it's pretty clear at this point that it's just. These dudes, like they're they're good, man, but they're not they're not great. The idea, I guess, is the positive numbers mean you're trending in the positive direction. I get that and I respect it. And I'm not a guy who just dismisses numbers, not at all. But at a certain point, you gotta that's why, yes, there are, you, you said it earlier. There's there are there is somebody who's watching this that will listen to your take on Austin Matthews and go, yeah, you're wrong. His underlying numbers are great, but you gotta watch the games. Like he's not he's not effective 
He's not effective the way he can be. And again, not worried about him. The point of flagging why he's he's not effective is because if he and Marner are not driving the offense, you're going to be waiting a really long time to be getting offense from Pierre Engvall and Nicholas Obey Kubel. Like, like you're you're going to be waiting a really long time. I don't want to be... My expectations, too. It's Austin Matthews is on his way to sign the biggest contract in NHL history. And for that, if you look at yourself in that way, the fact that you have played, like you can't take a game off. If you're going to pay someone 14, $15 million, I love Austin Matthews and and a human being can only do so much within their skill level. But if you want to be the top player in this league, buddy, you got to get a point every night. You got to score a goal every two games. Like it's just almost every, like, I just don't think, my expectations for him are high. I know it's early in the season, but if you're on your way to sign the biggest deal in NHL history, you can't take a night off. You got to produce every single night, which is why Connor McDavid has 130 points at the end of every season. Well, and it's, it's just, it's, it's just like, I I don't want to cut him too much of a break. Like I, I don't, I don't want to be hard on him because he's awesome. Matthews. And if he left this team, I would, I don't know what I would do. This podcast but, is over. Yeah. It's, it's the worst ever, but, at the same time, I don't want to cut this guy too much slack. It's like, dude, if you're if you're this guy and you want to be this guy, you got to show up every night and do something. Because it, if you think you're that damn good, then prove it. Well, and even something like throwing the hit that he threw in the Ottawa game that led, or the Washington game that led to the was it the Washington game or the Ottawa yeah it was game? the Washington game yeah that led to the MVP chance like that type of stuff like that that goes a long way. Um, we're at thirty minutes already, and we still haven't talked about how Matt Murray got injured in a morning skate oh. and is on the IL for four weeks. DJ Smith. It was funny. It was funny watching him. He basically, like, they asked him before the game to comment on Matt Murray and his tenure as a Leaf, and he he basically was like. Eh, I mean, the guy was never healthy. Yeah. Like, he was never healthy. And now he's here, and he's... How do you get hurt in a morning skate? And, like, he's he's seen doctors, and they've, they've told him he's got to sit out for four weeks. So it's not, it's not a matter of, like, him faking. I've heard some people, like, question that because he's just been hurt. Seventh trip to the IL in, like, the last two, three years or something. I mean, but, there, there's been athletes in every sport that have kind of walked the same line. Some dudes are just look at Jake Muzzin. Like it's just like some dudes are he's just an, injury prone. Well, Jake Muzzin, man, this the thing with Jake Muzzin is starting to get kind of scary. Like, like he, it, it's getting to the point where he needs he needs to sit down and evaluate what's going on and be like, can I? Is this still a good idea for me to be playing? Like another head injury is not. He needs to, it's, it's not, it's not a joke anymore with Jake Muzzin. If I, not that if it ever was, if but. a genie showed up in this room and gave me three wishes, one of them would be to never watch Jake Muzzin in a Maple Leaf uniform ever again. You can't say that when he suffered a serious injury. I know that. I, I know. I know. It's just, but again, that oh, he hasn't been, like, what, what good, like what good is he? He then? hasn't been, he hasn't been good. He hasn't been very good. Like, I'm sure he's a great guy. I heard he's pretty saucy with the sticks too. Yeah. He's a pretty good golfer, yeah. but it's just. It's just like when you play, you have this like 
label that you play a physical brand of hockey. I don't see it. All I see is a guy who's well, just kind of slow step, and again, has lost a step. But again, this is what they have to evaluate with him. Like he definitely has lost a step. The guy sustained a ton of injuries in the last few years and they need to evaluate. Is this a good idea for you to keep playing? Because it definitely is affecting his play on the ice, but more importantly, it could seriously affect his life off the ice. And that's just not yeah, I something know. that, 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 that's a, sh- I know it's just, you're hitting the you're you're hitting the nail on the head right now. It, it's kind of what what are we doing here? It's it's you've we signed you to a big deal. We expect you to be a guy who plays in our top four and brings big minutes. When you're hurt as often as he's hurt, it's hard to get back on track and become that player you once were. And and you may never be that player again. So when he's in the lineup, you expect more out of him, but maybe he just can't give that anymore because he's a guy who has suffered a lot of injuries. And when he suffered that many injuries and you recover that many times and your body has just kind of taken a toll, it's, it's, it's too much to put on a guy. And then if he, if he is injured, then it's just like, what good is he really? Like, it's like, I, I wish the guy all the best. I hope he gets better. I hope he's healthy, but it's, He's kind of at a point right now where it's he he's considered a top four guy, but he's just not he's not that guy. There was criticism lobbied towards the general manager about entering the season with two high risk players in Murray and Muzzin, and both of them four games in are on the IL. Before we move on and start to wrap it up here, I what 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 are they going to do about Matt Murray? Like you're at a point where you hope that Ilya Samsonov who's looked pretty good. Like he's going to have to take the ball and run with it. This is a huge, this sounds so cliche to so sports radio to say, but like this is a huge opportunity for him to take the ball and run with it and become the number one goalie. This Matt Murray thing, like it's, if I was a, if I was a, uh, a player and I was in that room and this guy kept getting hurt after five minutes, it would bug me. Like I, after a while, yeah, I would be every, like, 100%. I, yeah. And like after a while, I'd be like, what's your issue, man? Like why, why, what is your problem? I think every Maple Leaf fan knew whether it was a game or 10 games or 20 games that this was going to happen, which is why everybody was kind of like, I'm kind of excited to see what Sam Sonoff's going to look like. Because he knew he was going to get this opportunity. It's just kind of eye-rolling that it's it's one start into Matt Murray's career and he's already injured. But, I mean, last year, Peter Morassa got injured right off the bat. Jack Campbell got injured. It's it's. I think Elias Samsonov has looked pretty good so far. What I like about him is when there's a sc- scramble in front of the net, he's a big dude who just holds his spot and doesn't overreact. He is the thing I don't dude. like about him is he has a bit of a bad habit of letting pucks go through his arm and his, and his body so far but you know what i I, i've 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 liked i think he's been pretty good so far has been great but i mean he's let two goals in and his two starts they're two w's are with him in the net so well we're trending to have this conversation right now so let's let's do it back by popular demand we've had people who have been with us since day one who have said where did this go where did this go bring it back bring it back bring it back like three, four years in the making. It's here. been, it's been, it's been t- at least two years since we've done our last edition of Who's a Bum, Who's a Beauty. It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. That's right. Who's a bum? Who's a beauty? It's been a hot minute. I'm going to start with my bum of the week. We already know who I'm going to pick. Justin Hall. He's awful. I don't know what the hell happened to this guy. Do you remember 
in the in, during COVID in the All Canadian Division when him and Muzzin were going out and literally shutting down Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid. And since then, he has just not been very good. He's the new Marty Marincin. It's yeah, he, he's the new kind of Jake Gardle, Jake Gardle, Jake Gardner, Marty Marincin kind of scapegoat type of hockey players. He is, but he's terrible. That the giveaway at the end of the your team battles back to tie the game against the Arizona Coyotes. You've got a year and a half to get that puck out of the zone. You feather it on the tape to the Coyote player who who ended up scoring. Terrible. And that's him and Muzzin of both giving yes. away a, yes. a brutal pass to lose a hockey game. So, Justin Hole, you are my bum of the week. Congratulations. Ryan, bum my of bum of the week is Nicholas Obey Kubel. This guy sucks. Like, I, I, I hate to say it. This guy sucks. We talked about it earlier. Nick Robertson is it is it in this lineup, maybe for, for salary cap reasons. But the fact that I have to watch um, the Leafs' top prospect be on the sidelines because we could have Nick Obey Kubel in the lineup. Like, this sucks, man. The guy sucks. That line sucks. The fourth line's been awful. Well, it was the, it was Wayne. It was Wayne awful. Simmons. It was Wayne Simmons who you were like. I know. We were, Wayne Simmons can't play because Wayne we gotta, Simmons has zero chance of cracking the lineup because he just can't match Nick Obey Kubel. This guy's so, like, come on, like it's just like this is. There's been a lot of criticism thrown at the way the Leafs have constructed their fourth line over the past couple of years, and. and Jason Spezza has been a, a fixture of that. And I love Jason Spezza and I really miss Jason Spezza because I have to watch Nick Obey Kubel play hockey. It, it's just, I'm not ready to go after the top guys yet in this segment. Let, I, I, let's just say that like you could go after Mitch or, or Austin, but you know what? We'll, we'll give them, we'll, we'll give them a little leash, but this guy, a new guy coming in who, who took other guys spots to make this hockey team. Like, Guys, taking a couple penalties. Well, I've like, told you, I've told. I don't know if I've said it on the show, but I've I've told you that I'm 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 friends with someone who is a Colorado Avalanche fan. And when the Leafs picked up Nicholas Obey Kubel, um, he goes, <laughs> "The Avalanche just won the Stanley Cup, but if there's one guy that no one is upset seeing walk out the door, it's Nicholas Obey Kubel," which is why he probably isn't on the Colorado Avalanche anymore. All right, beauty of the week for me, I'm going Ilya Samsonov. I thought he's looked pretty good. He's he is the type of goalie that I think is will be prone to giving up a soft one here and there. Um Matt Murray sewered him on Saturday. He's wakes up in the morning, has no idea he's gonna start. I think he's gotta be on his toes with that all year. Like if you're if you're doing a tandem with Matt Murray, you gotta be ready in a mo- moment's notice to go in there because he's gonna hurt something. Um I like him. I think he's good. I think he's looked really good. Huge opportunity for him. He's got a 926 save percentage thus far. Um, Elias Samsonov, beauty of the week. My beauty of the week is number 88. Oh, my goodness. William Nylander. And when this segment first started, he was on the other side a lot for me. But if you were talking about this team and their culture and the way they play hockey and how they could be effective, that's like, getting rush chances, breakaways, lots of shots. 
he's the only guy playing that to a T right now. This guy is on four breakaways a game. He's on an odd man rush going the right way three times a game. He's always moving with speed. He's actually kind of taking the puck to the net. And I think that line has been their best line. And I think he's looked phenomenal. He's three goals already for that reason. He's been their best forward. I want to say almost by a mile yep. this season. I'd put Tavares not a far behind him. I think they've both, those two have, have been, those two have been way more effective than 34 and 16. William Nylander has been phenomenal so far this year. hundred percent. Like I, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm over exaggerating when I say that. I think he's been fantastic. Well, there you have it, everybody. Who's a bum? Who's a beauty? It's back. It's going to be back every week. Comment below for your bum and beauty, bum and beauty picks of the week. And we'll read some. Yeah. I want to see some good bums. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's the cue to get the hell out of here. Thanks so much uh, for watching this week, everybody. If you like what you see, hit that like and subscribe button below. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate it. Same thing if you're listening to the audio version. Our audio numbers have been way up. We really appreciate that as well. Leave a little review. Five-star review. Love that too. Hit the subscribe button. Like, can't say it enough. I We get so many comments of people being like, how do you only have 600 subs? It's like, guys, spread the word. Tell your friends. That's all. That's all we can do. Who knows when we reconvene later this week what the temperature around this hockey team will be. Feverish. Feverish indeed. See you next time, guys. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. I want to live at the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded. Pleasure Seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.